The Rick Emerson Show returns. Oh, yeah. No, she's, uh, no, yeah, no. Daddy, Daddy likes her. Ew. This is Rock 101 KUFO. <laughs> Everything sounds so inappropriate this morning. Rick Emerson is sorry. It's Rock 101 KUFO, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. Straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley. Coming up later on, Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles and former Michael Jackson guitarist, Jennifer Batten. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ, Nina Parker joining us on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Nina. How are you today? Hey, how are you? I am. It's We're just trying to wrap our heads around this. We were just saying during the during the break that this, you know, it's been it's such a, a one, two, three punch this week with Ed McMahon and, and, you know, David Carradine, then Ed McMahon, then Farrah Fawcett, and then just when you think there are no more shoes to drop yesterday, there's, there's Michael Jackson, and it feels so big that we can't even really grasp it at the moment. Um... I have a question for you about this this Brian Oxman guy that is is out there kind of is saying that he's the family's attorney and that he thinks that there's enabling or negligence or something like that going on. Do we know anything about this guy? Because now there's reports that he isn't the attorney or, or got fired a long time ago or something. You know, we're trying to, we're trying to figure that out, and, and there, there's a lot of people who are kind of coming out of the woodworks right now. So uh, that, that's not anything that we can confirm yet, just because it's, of course, you, as you can imagine, it's hard to get any type of confirmation out of the family because they're dealing with, you know, um, a lot of grief. So, I mean, we'll definitely report on that, um, you know, as far as who the lawyers are and representatives and proper things like that. Um, we have actually spoken to, um, you know, a couple of family members, and right now they just tell us they can't even really, you know, think straight. And there was these allegations or, or the speculation, I guess, coming out last night about he, whether it, people think that it might, they think it might have been Demerol or it might have been some other uh, prescription medication that he was on. Is there any sort of uh, history or is there anything that is that is known or strongly believed in his past that would indicate that that's true? Well, we do know, this is what we can say, there are reports that he may have died after getting a Demerol injection. Um those are just reports. Nothing has been confirmed yet. But we can say that he, when he was badly burned in the 80s after the filming of a Pepsi commercial, mm -hmm. he did become addicted to painkillers and ended up going to the Betty Ford Clinic. Um, we were told that the, the, the painkillers he was addicted to wore Demerol. Whether that is any type of connection as to any type of addiction into present day, we can't confirm that. The autopsy will be done today. Um, we know that that's been expedited. So um, we definitely will be putting more reports up about that. It's just hard because there's so much speculation, and we just want to wait until there's actually concrete fact before we report on any type of, you know, Demerol or anything like that being in his system. We're talking to Anita Parker from uh, from TMZ. Is it is it true that the that the family physician or Jackson's personal doctor was, was in the house when he collapsed, when this happened? Do we know? Yes, we're, we're being told that there was a personal physician in the house, um, and he, we, we don't know if that was who discovered him, but we do know a, a staff member discovered him not breathing and called the ambulance. When the paramedics arrived, they were trying to resuscitate him, and they were unsuccessful. That's when they went to the UCLA Medical Center. Um, when he arrived, uh, they had pronounced they, – they, they, pronounced him DOA, tried to revive him for an hour. Um, that, unfortunately, did not work. Wow. All right. Well, it's uh, – it, it, Tim, do you have – I'm sorry, Tim, what is, do we have? Oh, according to the TMZ story here that I'm looking at, uh, during the child molestation trial, cops seized syringes and drugs, including Demerol. Now, I'm trying to remember if that was made public back, back then. I, I don't know, actually. That's a good question. Yeah, that's, a good, that's a good question, and it was so many years ago. And if you remember when the child molestation trial happened, I mean, he was still really um, on top and, and viewed in a really good eye in the media. And I'm not quite sure back then if they were releasing that type of information. Of course, now with the Internet and, uh, you know, all the 
the piece of information that would have come out. Uh, you know, honestly, I'm not sure if that was out back then, but that, that's something that we kind of found out. And there's such a strange confluence of what is known and what is suspected and what is revealed and what is just alleged. I know it's a, a, a crazy day for you guys, so I'll, uh, I'll let you go. I know that uh, there's lots more of the story to come, so thank you for spending some time with us, Nina Parker. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Thank there you, you go. Nina Parker from TMZ. You can watch TMZ television uh, tonight at 1130 on Fox 12. And Paul McCartney... Paul McCartney just released a statement saying uh, Michael Jackson was a talented boy man. Is that really his statement? Yes, and a gentle soul. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. He was a talented boy man? Tim Riley. Yes. 616, going to be mostly sunny all weekend, highs in the 70s. Paul McCartney just issued a statement saying, I feel privileged to have hung out and worked with Michael. He was a massively talented boy man. With a gentle soul. Is this what? translated from Japanese or something? This sounds like it, it isn't this coming is out quote. the way that it's supposed to. It is a quote. Okay. They'll be remembered forever in my memories of our time together. will be happy ones. They'll is be this remembered like, forever in my memories. Is this? I think somebody else is on Demerol. <laughs> is this like last night on Larry King when Corey Feldman says, and I loved him as a man, which was awesome. I, I wish I'd brought that into. I was so busy. I, I have never been in my life more grateful for TiVo. Than last night. Let me believe you me, because let's just quickly go around uh, the room here. And and um, I know the answers to some of these is already, but we'll kind of do it just for the record. How everybody found out, or or, or how you learned what what your immediate uh, reaction uh, was. Uh, Sarah Dillon, you heard my reaction. Yes, because it was you. Because I was I was napping, and then I looked and I saw I had uh, fifteen missed phone calls. I'm like, what the hell happened? And I looked, and it was you, and there was a bunch of people, and I had a bunch of text messages. But I called you back immediately because I'm like, what the hell's going on? And then you called, and you're like, you didn't hear? Well, you didn't hear? I'm like, oh, God. That's like the worst thing that you could have said. I apologize for that. And I'm, I'm delirious, <laughs> and I'm like, what what happened? I'm like, oh, God. You'll need to drop off your key at the station. Don't That's, don't come inside. That was my first thought, and you were just like, oh, my God, I can't believe you didn't hear. And you kept saying you didn't hear over and over again. So that's and, how and, I found And out. I felt so bad because you had obviously just woken up from a nap, and I'm like, Oh my God! Have you heard the news? And Sarah's like, "No, I, what?" I'm like, "Oh, I can't believe you didn't know. It's 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 a, it's unbelievable." It's the biggest news ever. And Sarah's I'm not like, "Gonna tell you." And Sarah goes, "What? Just tell me what?" And I said, "I said Michael Jackson has died." And then you just—I mean, I don't think I have ever heard you, not in my recent memory anyway, so legitimately stunned by something. Yeah, that that was not what I was expecting. It was—I I mean, I could hear it, it in your surreal, voice. It I was, was still kind of in sleepy time, and like I just had a crazy dream, and then I'm like. Am I still dreaming? I don't really understand what's going on. Well, I mean, it seems surreal even now. I it mean, it doesn't does, it yeah. doesn't seem uh, possible. So that yeah, that was uh, Tim. How did you sent me an email and said I could call you? And I thought, do I really want to talk on the phone? And I thought about it for an hour or so, and then I, I finally did call. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I was trying to think of what to say because I don't like phone conversations. No. So I had to have enough dialogue to initiate a phone call. It was it was really uh, quite something actually. The chain. Of of the chain of revelation in terms of the story, because again, I'd, I'd gone. I think I'd, I mentioned this earlier. I'd gone to Facebook to post something about, you know, how we were going to be talking about Farrah Fawcett and we were going to be doing whatever today. And I, I went there and I see the, a comment that made it. There was some comment on my Facebook page that said something like, "The Farrah Fawcett thing will totally be overshadowed by, you know, sucks for Farrah Fawcett. She's going to be overshadowed by the fact that Michael Jackson is dead." And I looked at that and I thought. WTF and I, thought, and I thought well that and I thought that can't possibly be true but the thing is it wasn't written as a joke it wasn't written as you know in other words it wasn't it wasn't written like a thing that somebody would write if they were just being sort of snarky and it was the tone of the comment that made me suspect that it might somehow be true 
And so I went to actually, and I lied earlier uh, when I said I went to TMZ. Uh, upon upon further reflection, I didn't go to TMZ. I went to Drudge um, because Drudge is like Johnny on the spot with that. So I went to Drudge, and Drudge in turn had linked to TMZ, and uh, and he just said, I think Drudge said report colon Michael Jackson dead. I went to TMZ, and TMZ said Michael Jackson R.I.P. And the thing about uh, the thing about Michael about the, uh, uh, TMZ is they don't you know they don't f around. Uh, you know, they I mean, in other words, they don't do wacky pranks. They don't do hoaxes. They don't do like April Fool's jokes. I mean, if they say it, that's you know, that's good enough for me. It means that it's either true or that they have every reason to believe uh, that it's true. And I know CNN took a long, long time to confirm it. But that's just because they're, you know, because they're a real news organization. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. And, and then at the same time, somebody posted an Internet rumor saying that Steve Gutenberg. No, had, no, no. Had, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Same thing. Wait, or was it also Steve Gutenberg? Maybe both. Well, then when they found out nobody cared, they withdrew it. <laughs> I cared about Jeff Goldblum. I care about Steve Gutenberg. See, I can't tell the difference between either one of them. Oh, so that, that's the problem. Dreamy. If one of them dies, everyone, everyone's going to think it's the other guy. Here's the thing. Jeff Goldblum is gangly, but apparently dreamy to Sarah He's Dillon. He's totally handsome. I, you know what I did? I, I lamented the fact that I never got to meet him. He's not dead. I know, but now now, I, now it's my life's mission to meet Jeff Goldblum. Steve Gutenberg is just a dick. I have a second chance at love. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? Never mind. Uh, you know, can I just tell you this? I went to that Google uh, Google Trends or whatever it is today, that site where you know, it shows you what people are searching for. I wish I'd taken a screen capture of this, actually, because the first result is like Michael Jackson dead. The second result this morning of Google Trends, Jeff Goldblum dead. And then, I swear to God, and this is not true, by the way, to the best of my knowledge, the 10th result, and they do like 1 through 100. It's the 100 most searched things on Google at any particular moment. Number one, Michael Jackson dead. Number two, Jeff Goldblum dead. Number 10, Harrison Ford dead. So clearly there was somebody else who was trying to get sort of a like a dark horse rumor out there. Uh, next time I would like for it to be, uh, you know, about the either uh, about uh, uh, one of us or about um, Joyce DeWitt. Just, uh, you know, pick pick one of the two the next time you just start rumor mongering out there. All right, it's Tim Riley. Um, I know that Jed believes this is a blessing in disguise. We are saying in this business that the world's rejection is God's protection. I almost see this as God's protection over Michael, and it's almost like keeping him from having to walk through an, yet another process of triumph and tragedy. Was that a sentence? What? <laughs> <laughs> this is God's protection. You're going to die. I don't... That was... Why don't... Writer or Judd? Which Judd? All right, it's not Winona Ryder. Why? <laughs> How am I to know? So that was that was Winona. Is it Winona or Winona? When did we start calling I it was her Winona Judd Winona. and Winona Ryder? But it hasn't always been Winona, has it? Has it? Wasn't it just Winona at one point? Winona's a weird set. Winona. Winona. Well, at Winona, one time, Winona, it wasn't Winona. even Winona. It's a made-up country music name. Is that true? Yes. I thought her name was always Winona Judd. Winona Judd. I think it was Peggy or something. <laughs> you, like Pam. Peggy. <laughs> Pam Judd, get in here. Um, okay. And wait, and Ashley Judd is a sister to her, right? Is Ashley Judd Winona Judd's sister? Yes. How is it that she's hot? Boy, that skipped it. It's not even skipping a generation. That just skipped a daughter. That went right from uh, Naomi Judd uh, to Ashley yeah, Judd. Ashley and it Judd's skipped. So beautiful. It's like all the fat from those two went to Winona. Um, the, did I ever tell you that I met Winona Judd in person once? No. She's huge. Yeah. Massive. She's... It's like a it's like a house with lipstick walking toward you, um, and like all immensely fat women, she had a tiny little dog at the end of a leash, of course, rhinestone leash, and it was like a little rat terrier. He's wearing a little sweater. No, no, he's a little rat terrier with a rhinestone leash, and she was walking down the hallway, just sort of, I'm starving. Uh, look, I was working right. This is not here, but I was working right next to a country music station some years ago, 
And Winona was there to do a radio interview. And I was walking down the hall to the production uh, room. And it's one of those things where you, like, you saw the person, but you couldn't really fathom that it was actually who you were told it was because you're used to celebrities looking a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it was like... It was like she was smuggling a family of acrobats inside her inside her clothes. I mean, it was just massive. It was like this huge house dress. Where's the candy? <laughs> yes. And then this is the embarrassing part. The hallways were real narrow, and she's real big. You can hear the floor creaking. There's <laughs> shoes screaming with every step. Um, and I actually had to. I actually had to do the embarrassing thing of turning sideways to let her walk by me because the hallway was so narrow. Oh boy, it's awesome. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk. I don't know what to say about that. I need a locale snack. Well, a Sterline bus tour just happened to be driving by during the paramedics' response at Holmby Hills yesterday, giving unwitting travelers a front row look at the commotion. On the Hollywood Walk of Fame, fans mistakenly gathered. At the star of KABC radio personality Michael Jackson, who is the wrong Jackson. Jackson's star, the real one, was actually covered with a red carpet in front of the Chinese theater for a movie premiere. So they covered. Wait a minute. So they covered up the. Uh, it, it was for Bruno. Oh, I forgot that was last night. So they covered up the star uh, on the walk of him, so nobody could find it. So they went. So right- people could. Wa- so uh, Sasha Baron Cohen could walk on it. And so, in, so they weren't able to find that. Uh, and so then, of course, they default to uh, Michael Jackson. Michael who, Jackson, the who, talk show host, mm-hmm. who is not still alive. He was still alive, and he's also, been fired several times, but he's still alive. And isn't he from? Uh, he's he's British. He's British. Isn't he's he? British yeah. yeah. So not Michael Jackson, the pop star. Uh, and this is by by the way, this is about the time that you you start wondering if there's any. Uh, you get like those projects that are in the media that get in the pipeline before something bad happens, mm-hmm. and then if they're like a retrospectively awful. Um, you know, like I was thinking about this. Like, there's that they're talking about making another Naked Gun movie with Leslie Nielsen uh, in some. You know, and you know those Naked Gun movies are so weird to watch now because O.J. Simpson is in them. And, Being all kooky. <laughs> you know, and, and I think there's actually a sequence. Isn't there one? Isn't there a sequence earlier in the first Naked Gun film where O.J. is? It's like he's he's burgling something. I mean, he's not because he's a cop, but he's undercover, and so he's got like the weird like like the black knit cap and like the black clothing, like he's got like he's a cat burglar. Or like he's going to be sneaking in someplace to do some <laughs> do some dirty work, and you watch it now, and you just have to turn it off because it's just so it's so unnerving. Um, so I wonder if, uh, oh yeah, somebody's pointing out like here's the it's it's like it's like watching that Mama Cass episode of the Scooby Doo cartoon where she's just constantly shoving sandwiches into her mouth. Is uh, that a message from Chris Paddock? Uh, it seems like it's a thing from Chris Paddock, wouldn't it? No, but it's from somebody in Vancouver. I can see uh, this this text says small dogs are a fat woman's snack of last resort. Oh. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, additionally, Michael Jackson music will accompany the fireworks show during tonight's Dodger-Seattle Mariner game at Dodger Stadium. That's where Jackson and his fine brothers performed the final six concerts of the Victory Tour. Remember that? In final 1984. six concerts. Wow. That was 1984. That makes you feel old. Did they, they did six? This is Dodger Stadium? Yeah, Dodger Stadium. They did six shows at Dodger Stadium? Mm-hmm. That's what it says. How many people does Dodger Stadium? Greg, do you know how many people Dodger Stadium holds? I mean, it's a lot. I mean, it's Rick like, would know. I mean, I sound like an idiot when I say it's a lot, but I mean, it's, it, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it, isn't that, isn't that one of those weird, like 40,000 seat places? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's huge. huge. It's massive. Wow. I, uh, you know, it's like, I, because uh, 60,000. Wow. That's wow. 360,000 tickets. And that's not like over the course of 10 years. That's like a, that's like a six night stand. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody can do that. 
Could anybody do that now? Could anybody do six nights at a place like Dodger Stadium? Madonna, maybe. Maybe. No. I don't know, though. I can't think of anybody. Maybe Garth Brooks at this point, if he came back and did a full-on. Because he's never really done a tour since he retired. I mean, he's put out singles and stuff. But Garth has pretty much stayed retired. Has he toured since he retired? Like a full-on tour? I, I don't think so. I think Garth has more or less kept to his vow to stay retired. But he will. you know he'll come back, though, because he, he's a marketing genius. But, um, I mean, I know that uh, I went, when Kiss did the uh, reunion tour, they, I think, did multiple nights at Madison Square Garden. But they're from New York, and that's not 60,000 people anyway. Um, the Rolling Stones, maybe. Maybe. Uh, you know, although they're still pretty reliable. I mean, they, you know, they tour every few years at this point. I mean, it's mm. possible. Maybe. I mean, you think maybe you two could perhaps do a couple nights, but I, not I the most I, but I just, yeah, but they're not, they're not going to be doing any six nights in a row at Dodger stadium. And that's just insane. That's like, uh, that's, that's like Beatles insane. Jesus. All right. I don't remember anything about that, the victory tour, except that they did that horrible um, song with Mick Jagger. Uh, they did that state of shock uh, song, which is just which is just awful. It was just a disaster backstage. They all left hating each other. Well, I mean, that's the thing. And you saw Jermaine Jackson last night, who was uh, he was doing the press conference. And Nobody's I'm... seen any of these people anymore. No. Well, and where's Tito? That's what I want to know. Isn't he an auto mechanic in San Diego? Hey. I thought more I read Tito? that somewhere. Uh, a, a tearful nation demands more Tito. We should completely draft a press release asking Tito to step up and take Michael's place. I mean, really, I mean, he may be doing like oil changes at Jiffy Lube. It's a win-win, Sarah. This, the um. Ladies and ladies and gentlemen, you're a waiter for the evening. You know, um, what was my point going to be? Oh, so Jermaine uh, Jackson was doing this uh, press release uh, yesterday where he was, you know, he, I'm not trying to make light of it, but he was you know, obviously very broken up about the whole thing. But it's weird because if you remember, Jermaine Jackson, this is a term from way back when, you you crazy kids, he recorded a, what we used to call a diss record uh, many years ago, uh, targeting Michael Jackson. He recorded this, um, this awful song called Word to the Bad which was him because I guess there was some huge falling out and none of the family was getting along and whatever. Um, and so he recorded this song called Word to the Bad where he was kind of busting on Michael for being, I don't know, for being out of touch and, and whatever. Um, but it's just, it's such a weird family. You know, that whole family of theirs is just so freaking disastrous. And that, that reprehensible father of theirs. You talk about a guy who he's going to live forever. Unfortunately, is he still alive? Yes, he's going to outlive them all. What is what is his name? Is, is uh, Joe Joe Jackson? Not to be confused with Joe Jackson, not, the singer. Not to be confused with yeah, I'm the man. Got the time, Joe Jackson. That uh, he's still uh, Joe Jackson is still alive. Yes, there is no God. There really is there. There, there is no God. There is no justice. That can't be possible. How is it that he's is he just kept alive by hate? No, he's freaky looking. He's still alive. Ah, uh, you know, you talk about a guy that ought to just be. Uh, you know, he's he's a serious. He's a piece of work. He's like right out of the Murray Wilson school of parenting. So you were calling out to Tito to take Michael Jackson's place. How freaky would it be if one of the Jacksons all of a sudden decided to get a bunch of plastic surgery and look like him? I, you know, they well, could they could totally take on his face. They, Michael Jackson's, but it, but mm-hmm. it should be Latoya. Uh, it shouldn't. She's it's, pretty damn close right now. Boy, Latoya. Has anybody seen her? Does anybody know where Latoya Jackson is? Yeah, she showed up yesterday. Really. At the at where at at the hospital at or the where? hospital she uh, left bursting in tears. Uh, I read that. All I really know about her is that she uh, she was new with a snake wrapped around. Where's her Janet playboy. Jackson? Hey, that's a good question. Where is Janet Jackson? A lot of people think Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson are the same people. Well, that's why they did that scream video together, and even uh, Janet I loved that video. See, I don't. The video's good. I don't really care for the song though. Um, well, I remember what a huge buildup it was because it's when the first coming out. Yeah, for, it was the first. That wasn't the first thing they'd done together as adults, was it? It must have been as adults because I think she did some stuff 
sort of some, some, some kind of stuff with the Jackson 5, I think. But I, but I think as adults, that was the first song they did together. I remember gathering around the TV with my family, waiting for that to come on. I remember and that- he, like, jumps on the car and, like, smashes the windshield and then... All that happens. I think it's the beginning of it. Mm, wait a minute. Is that that or is that black and white? Black or white? <gasps> that black that might be white. black or white. But I remember black or white, white is white. where he it's and extreme. he it turns into a panther. Yeah. Scream is the one where they're in the weird chamber with the spikes and the yeah. vibrating balls. They're in the weird like bondage outfits mm. and they're in that clean room. You know, it looks like. Yeah. So I remember Scream isn't a very good song. I mean, not for me anyway. I don't really care for that as a song. But I, but I remember what a big buildup it was. You know, a great uh, underrated uh, Michael Jackson song is in many ways. Well, we'll talk about it. We, we, we have time. We have all morning. Yeah, we have all morning, and this you know, story's not it's going anywhere. Started. So, all right. Uh, coming up in the next hour, don't forget, we're going to talk to Cena Radio correspondent Jim Rue from Los Angeles. Also, Peter Carlin, former uh, People magazine writer and now features writer uh, for The Oregonian and former music critic as well. Plus, Jennifer Batten, uh, who was the uh, touring guitarist for Michael Jackson for many years and actually now plays with Jeff Beck, among other folks. We are live from Portland, Oregon. It is Friday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. Available anytime, anywhere. It's too bad about your rocky insides where no man's seed can find purchase. <laughs> Visit KUFO.com right now. It is the Rick Emerson Show live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us today. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up in the next hour, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop will join us from Los Angeles. Uh, also, Peter Carlin uh, from the Oregonian. We'll speak with Jennifer Batten as well, who is the uh, guitarist for Michael Jackson's Bad, Dangerous, and History uh, Tours. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 644. Look for mostly sunny skies all weekend. High temperatures in the 70s. He was perhaps the most exciting performer of his generation. Known for his feverish, hutch-grabbing dance moves. High-pitched voice punctuated with squeals and titters. And now, Michael Jackson's family members are telling TMZ that he was given a heavy dose of morphine prior to his death. And they were alarmed. Joe Jackson recently wanted to put Michael in a rehab in Palmdale, California, for what he considered an addiction to morphine and prescription drugs, if you want to believe Joe Jackson. There's a, I would say Joe Jackson's credibility at this point is uh, somewhat suspect to be charitable. Uh, family members say they felt he was unable to perform for his upcoming concerts because of his drug use. There are also reports that he OD'd yesterday on Demerol, a drug similar to morphine. By the way, Jackson wrote a song called Morphine in 1997. One of the lyrics, quote, Demerol, Demerol. Oh, God, he's taking Demerol, unquote. Was, was that, was that a, a hit single that I somehow missed? Yeah, it might have been a flip side. Was, I was going to say, was that bubbling under but didn't quite break into the top 100? It, it said it was written in 1997. I can't remember hearing it. I, okay, i got to look that up right now. I have to look up the my Michael Jackson discography to see how I've missed the song uh, about Demerol. All right. Uh, so anyway, here. I want to ask group later about the so-called family attorney, Brian Oxman, because I have differing reports saying he is not the family attorney. He was fired in 2005, and therefore I have a whole bunch of 
accusing soundbites from him, so I'm not going to play them until I find out exactly who he is. Well, I hear roaches are coming out of the woodwork. Th- well, see, that's the thing, and I have to say, when I heard that guy last night, because I have this um, the way my the way my house is set up, uh, and, and of course, there's nobody to stop anybody from saying anything. That's, it's like who is in control? That's the deal: is that nobody knows who's run on the joint, and so anybody can get on television. I mean, that, that that's the thing about you get as an organization. I say as though I understand the inner workings, but I mean. I think by definition, we sort of do know the inner workings because we see the outer result. Mm-hmm. And the outer result is that it is such a secretive and enshrouded or enclosed off organization that there appears to be no there appears to be no one who actually has their hand on the rudder. Certainly Jackson himself didn't. I mean, the guy wasn't even keeping himself together, obviously. So, I mean, the, the idea that he was going to be able to. To handle all the business. I mean, let's let, let be honest. You don't get $400 million in debt if you've got somebody who's really keeping a shrewd eye on things. But he was bad at keeping a checkbook, obviously. I mean, that, uh, well, you know, and what he doesn't have and clearly never had was Quicken? a. <laughs> yes. That'll be the first posthumous advertisement he does. That'll be right there with Fred Astaire dancing with a vacuum cleaner, with Michael Jackson talking about. Ah, Michael Jackson from Microsoft Money. Um,. I was just going to say he doesn't have – the, the next. if you can't get Quicken, you get Priscilla Presley because Priscilla Presley – I mean, you, you want to know why – She doesn't have to work. She doesn't have to work, and you know what? And no one uh, whose last name rhymes with Presley will ever have to work ever again because she – Well, the thing, it's another day of doing nothing. Where's my coffee? <laughs> What's she supposed to do all day? I'd like some more uh, Crisco injected into my lips, please. Um, here's the thing about Priscilla Presley, though. People don't realize No, you're this. thinking of Cher. With that, with that impersonation here on Larry King. <laughs> Larry, I'd like to talk to you about Michael Jackson and my recollections of him. <laughs> I could be any number of people, actually, with that voice. It's just so non-distinct. Cher, uh, did you hear her brush him off when he tried to get her to stay for the next uh, segment? Yeah. We'd like you to stay the next segment. Well, well, anyway, uh, I got to go, and uh, I, I will miss Michael Jackson. I love Cher so much. Uh, this, this, wait, but the one point I want to make, though, is... People forget this about Elvis Presley, that after Elvis Presley was dead, people think, you know, because he's on that list of the hundred, you know, the the the, uh, the most money-making performers, and he's often at the top of the list, even though he's dead. Mm-hmm. These are the most, you know, the celebrities who earned the most money, you know, and they'll always say, like, it's Elvis and Tupac and whoever. Um, Elvis Presley wasn't that way for a long time. After he died, it, he was the, his uh, estate was really making no money to speak of, and they were losing more money every year than they were making, which just seems astounding. And that is all Priscilla Presley who came in after the fact and realized that was a cash cow from which she was just going to get every single drop of, of succulent financial milk. And she was correct. And she really was. There is a great book you can read called, um, it is called Elvis Incorporated. And it's, uh, it is called the, um, the Fall and Rise of the Presley Empire. And it is about how Priscilla Presley came in and there was this organization just bleeding money. And you got to think Elvis, who by some accounts is the most famous person in the history of, of music, and every year his estate was losing like $50 million. And Priscilla Presley came in and she was like, F that. There's no reason that Elvis Presley shouldn't be making money. And within a decade, she had just exerted total control over it. But there doesn't appear to be anybody who was doing that with Jackson, which is how you get $400 million in debt. I mean, it's just insanity. So anyway, so my house is set up as such that when the TV is on, you can hear it in every room because I'm a loser and can't be away from the, from the nectar of, of the electronic media. And I heard this attorney talking. And I kept wondering, like, who is this guy, and how would the family attorney be making these crackpot statements? Right. And, like, the the woman from T- the girl from TMZ said, uh, who are they supposed to ask at this point? Who is in charge right. of Michael Jackson's stuff? So 
We have several sound bites. I'm not going to play any because I think the guy could possibly be a fake. I now, do you believe that he? I believe he once worked for him, but I'm not sure how recent that's been. So you believe that so he? So if he was fired in 2005, how would he be familiar with the inner workings to the very end? You think to make he, comments like this? You think he perhaps might have been the attorney at one point, yes. but is no longer? And see that just my opinion here, uh, protected by the First Amendment, mm-hmm. is that that is probably true, and he probably isn't the, the lawyer anymore, mm-hmm. only because I can't think of a reputable lawyer who would get on television immediately after your client has died and start de facto accusing members of the family of passively allowing it to happen. Exactly. I can't imagine any sort of reputable uh, attorney who would do that. I would come back from the dead and strike him with lightning on the first day. (laughs) Duly noted. She's just rattling your chains like Jacob Marley. Uh, so what, Sarah? Should we uh, get caught up here? Okay, straight ahead. We'll have more news from Tim Riley. We still have we have all of this Larry King sound. We have Anderson Cooper stuff to get to. Coming up next hour, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop from Los Angeles will hopefully start to address some of these questions. Peter Carlin for the Oregonian, and later on at eight twenty, Jennifer Batten, former uh, guitarist uh, for Michael Jackson on his many tours. We are live from Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock One Hundred One KUFO. KUFO Portland. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-228-4101. This is Rock 101 KUFO. And coming up at 720 today, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent James Roop from Los Angeles, who uh, we've probably spoken to that guy, I don't know, 75 times at least. Uh, over the past few years about Michael Jackson in one form or another, everything from I mean, just the the uh, arrest and the trial and the acquittal and that uh, when he got booted out of Neverland and then that alleged or the, the you know, the, the um, attempted auction that they were going to do uh, a few weeks ago. And then when he went to Bahrain and then he was when he was dangling a baby. And you then remember when, he was, when he was he missed his court date and he was on the run. Uh, well, I remember this when we were just talking to Nina Parker from TMZ about about the the allegations that he was on uh, Demerol or more. And I think, Tim, you said that when they raided Neverland, and this was part of the molestation trial, right? They mm-hmm. raided Neverland and they found syringes and they found, did you say Demerol they yes. found there? Mm-hmm. So, Do you remember this? Do you remember when uh, he didn't show up to the trial that day, but when he did, it was in pajamas and he couldn't walk? Yes. Mm-hmm. And he and everybody just kept saying, like, well, that guy looks like he's on drugs. I'm not saying he was, but he did exhibit all the mannerisms and characteristics of somebody who might have been under the influence of an intoxicant. At the news desk, this is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 7.02. It's going to be sunny all weekend. Highs in the 70s. Well, Anderson Cooper was supposed to be throwing a big party last night. Instead, he got uh, summoned to come back to work. He was uh, covering Michael Jackson's death on CNN, and he shared a very special memory, that being partying at Studio 4 with with Michael Jackson when... Anderson Cooper was just 10 years old. Can you believe? I have the sound here, and I'm going to play it for you. This is when he, he's talking with his uh, lady friend on the program. You know, Eric, I actually met Michael Jackson when I was a little kid. Really? Well, yes. I actually, when I was 10, I, for some odd reason, I went, <laughs> I went to Studio 54 uh, <laughs> with Michael Jackson and a bunch of people, and, 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 I, and I had no idea who he was, and I saw him dance, and I was like, oh, that guy's a really good dancer. Did you dance? <laughs> 
No, I didn't. I didn't dance. I just even then, you wouldn't dance. Even then, even I would with not Michael dance. Michael Jackson. Yes, but he, I remember I at Ellen age ten. Why I was at Studio Fifty Four at age ten is a whole other story. That I, uh, I don't. Be. You know, I don't know. Child uh, welfare authorities probably want to talk to my mom. I'll about ask you about it. that one in the break. <laughs> okay, here's just. I have to say, this is what's great, Tim. Is that you and I each uh, came in with that soundbite of our own uh, volition. And you and I each started that soundbite at exactly the same place, and we stopped it at exactly the same place. Because I didn't know if you had that clip, so I brought it in, and I cut it off at exactly the same moment. Great minds thinking alike, Tim Riley. You're in my brain again. Working with content. Well, it was my, it was my turn. Um, this is just such a weird yet entirely unsurprising image of Anderson. And I'm picturing him like a, like in a British schoolboy outfit, like little mm-hmm. short pants, yeah. like Studio 54, like... I'm here with my mom, you know, and then meanwhile, Gloria Vanderbilt is snorting cocaine out of Mick Jagger's ears. Allegedly. <laughs> I mean, in my mind's eye, I'm not saying, well, she's dead, isn't she? No, she's alive. Oh, still able to crush me. Sorry. She just published a book. Oh, is it called I'm going to uh, smite everyone who slanders me? Uh, but I'm just, you know, it's just such an insane, such an insane confluence of things and yet when he says that he was there and there was all of these, uh, you know, whatever, these the folks sort of dancing with, with with the Michael Jackson, I should point out that it's impossible under any circumstances for me to imagine uh, Anderson Cooper dancing. I mean, that's a thing. That's like a broken link. Oh, I can link. totally picture it. See, I can't at he all. He says he doesn't and won't. No, and, 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 you know, and in, even if in my brain, if I, like, dress him... I, this sounds odd. I was going to say if I dress him up like a paper doll, but in, in my head... You know, because you see him behind the desk on CNN, and he's you know he's, he's very stylishly attired in his newsman garb. But if you are picturing Anderson Cooper dressed differently, I still cannot insert him into any sort of a scenario in which I can see him dancing at all. It just my brain won't come up with that picture. All right, so there you go. And then and then there was uh, Corey Feldman, who was on with Larry King. It was Corey Feldman, J.C. Chasse's. Nobody can pronounce that guy. Nobody. He needs to change it. The guy from the guy from Insane. By the way, who's got this weird Brian Setzer pompadour? He's gotten more hair. It's very strange. It was. He looks. I mean, he's a good-looking guy, but somebody. It's like he's had. Um, it's like he's had the Marlon Brando's hair uh, from uh, from the Wild Ones or whatever, just stuck on top of his head. But he was talking about Jackson as a dancer, and that's a thing that I know so little about. Speaking of dancing, I mean, I just have like Sarah and I some years ago. There was this insanity where Sarah and I ended up oh, judging we the hip hop contest. We yeah, we were dancing. judging a break dancing contest. Greg's expression says it all, by the way. I know it doesn't make any sense. It to was me ridiculous. I don't even know why we. Why did we even go there? How did that come to happen that they asked you and I, who are like the whitest people on earth? I mean, just just speaking for myself, I am just so Usually utterly. Usually, run away from outside invitations I for just, good reason. I am so lame and without soul in every way. But Sarah and I ended up judging a break dancing contest uh, at this place here in Portland. And, you know, the dancer is really astounding or whatever, but I felt like I wasn't in any position to pass judgment. I, I mean, know. who am I? I, judge? Rick Emerson, say that you, sir, cannot dance and shall not be allowed to. Um, but the guy from NSYNC was talking about Jackson as a dancer. And you ever hear something that you'd never really thought of and, and you realize that you don't you don't understand the subject very well. But when you hear someone speak about it, you instinctively know that what they've said is right. It's sort of like it's sort of like it's a puzzle piece that fits exactly. And he said um, he said that Michael Jackson to dancers and guys, you know, anybody who knows about dance, he said that Michael Jackson is a guy who has defined a whole style of dance and he used these two adjectives. He said, whenever you see somebody who is dancing, who is doing those very clean, sharp moves, that are clean, sharp maneuvers, he said, that's Michael Jackson. And I think I about totally it. I totally picture that. That is totally like, true. Yeah. 
clean and sharp, and that absolutely works. And he, he said the other thing. Here's something that we all – here's a generational touchstone because everybody's playing beaded and talking about Billy Jean and Thriller and whatever. Here's something that we all are uh, – this is an image that is in all of our brains that maybe you haven't thought about today. He said anytime you see somebody doing that thing where they do the slow lean forward – it's like everybody knows where that's from. Mm-hmm. That's Smooth Criminal. That's it's, it's Michael Jackson. And I'd never thought about that. That if you were to see anybody anywhere do that slow lean, you immediately know where they got it. So he was he was actually quite – that guy was from NSYNC. Was really, he explained a lot of things in, in, in a way that even uh, even relentlessly uh, uncool person such as myself uh, could understand. So anyway, um, a lot of people are going to be disappointed. I guess they're all going to get refunds, something like 750000 or something, for the This Is It tour. There was supposed to be, this was a 50-night concert stand in London. Nobody could thought that he was going to pull it off, but he intended to do so at that O Stadium. I guess it's for Oprah or something. Uh, Jackson announced the concerts at a press conference in London back on March the 5th. It's funny, I was doing an interview for something this morning. That's not Michael Jackson. That sounds uh, that sounds not at all like uh, like Michael Jackson. Oh well, well take my word for it. It did happen. It's creepy though because is this the press conference where he said that it was his final curtain call? Yes. Okay, I think I've got that audio actually. Uh, let me see. I think I've I think I've got this. Um... Oh wait, a here it is. I have it here. Okay. These will be my final show performances. This doesn't in even sound like him. This will be it. This is it. And when I say this is it, it really means this is it. Uh, it's a different voice. It's it's a different voice. And do you remember? Here's a creepy thing. Do you remember that uh, that moment during the trial, which I guess is what 2005, 2006, something like that, where there was that guy. I th- I can't remember if it was a witness or if it was a guy who was like in a in a magazine article or something. But it was around that time, and a guy said that he called Jackson on the phone one time. And this is the thing that creeped me out for some reason. I think this weirded all of us out. He said that he called Jackson at home. And that when Jackson answered the phone, it was in what he called a deep masculine voice. And he said that, you know, hello. And he said, I'm, yeah, I'm looking for Michael Jackson. This is Michael. And, it, and that, that it, he, this guy said that in his, uh, he, he then felt that in his opinion that the, the, the very high childlike voice, the reed-like voice was, it was a put on. And he said that Michael Jackson's natural speaking voice was a very deep, rich, masculine voice. Like and, Barry White. And see, exactly. Exactly. Why can't you share your bed with somebody? Um, and <laughs> that to me was just that. the creepiest thing ever. The idea of looking at Michael Jackson and him opening his mouth. It's like that it's serpent. Love a man voice comes out. It's like that thing, that serpent in the rainbow movie, where it's like uh, uh, that old guy opens his mouth, like the little kid's voice comes out. It's like a p- picture, like weird, pale clown looking Michael Jackson opening his mouth. And they're like, hello, how are you? My name is Michael Jackson. I mean, it's just very weird. This is that soundbite where he calls... This, I think, is where he says, uh, he, he calls it his, his final curtain call. Thank yeah. you all. This is it. This is it. So this is him announcing this, this tour that was supposed to happen. But I, I, I just want to say that um, these, these will be... My final show performances in London. This will be it. This is it. And when I say this is it, it really means this is it. Because, um... <laughs> See, this doesn't even sound like it. No, it doesn't at all. I'll be, I'll be performing the songs my fans want to hear. 
This is it. I mean, this is really it. This is the final. This is the final curtain call. I mean, that's just so creepy uh, when you hear that. And it didn't look like him either. I mean, even as, in terms of Michael Jackson weirdness, he looked weird at that press conference. Mm-hmm. All right, straight ahead, we'll talk to Cena. Oh, was that when he was wearing some getup that looked like a 1940s actress? Yeah, and it and, and, thing with the designs on it. And it was like a bad, like, like Marky Ramone wig. Yeah. Um, straight ahead, Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles coming up at 720. We're live from Portland, Oregon. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO. Maybe he is hot. I don't know. Maybe it's all this vampire sex that's getting to my head. I don't know. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. This is Rock 101 KUFO. You can text if you like. It's 52051. 52051. Five one. Uh, this text says, "How many tickets were sold? Does somebody have to refund all that money? What kind of financial ramifications so. does this have for the promoter?" Well, I hadn't even thought about that. So, were you saying it was something like seven hundred and fifty thousand yeah, like tickets or something insane? Mm-hmm. Jesus, I can't even imagine. All right, it is five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, James Roop. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Wow. So I... Uh, Wait, let me stop you with wow. Yeah, I, I got to tell you. Now, I, I was semi-prepared for the Farrah Fawcett thing yesterday, but never, never in my wildest imagination would I have thought that when I woke up yesterday morning, I'd be watching Michael Jackson's body being flown to the coroner's office that evening. I. It is just... It is... I, I said early on that I just uh, can't even. I, I think it's so big that you can't even get your brain around it. it. It's just so huge. Well, that's true, and I can prove that with the looks on the faces of people here. Now, I, I, and I went quickly this morning again out to the Jackson compound, that rented place in Homeby Hills, where that memorial is. Actually, there's tons of memorials. I'll tell you about that in a second. But the people were. Uh, the the cops coned off the street. You could drop off flowers, notes, whatever, at the gate, and then you had to walk back across the street behind the cones. And the people, you look at the people at the cones, and they're just staring at the gate. There's, if there's not tears, there's nothing. And people are just hoping, I think, that he's going to come out that gate and say, just kidding. They are truly, people are truly just in shock. It's just blank stares on their faces. Now, there are... Um, Yesterday, they couldn't get the Jackson Star because of the Bruno premiere. It was blocking that section of Hollywood Boulevard. So they gathered around Michael Jackson, the radio host, (laughs) star. And they knew they were doing that. You know, they didn't care. They just liked the the words Michael Jackson. (laughs) And and so they they had stuff there. There's a a little memorial there. There's a memorial actually at his star now. Then there's one at uh, the Jackson family star. There's one outside the coroner's office, one outside the Homeby Hills home, one outside the compound in Encino, one at the hospital. I mean, I've been to all of these places and they all look exactly the same like the rose parade's about to kick off or maybe the princess diana thing i well tim and i were talking about is there any comparison uh, to this and everybody goes you know to, to elvis or to lennon and princess diana might might be like this outpouring of emotion that's the thing because you know with i, I don't know and it, in, in a way that i can't even really quantify because Obviously, El- Elvis and Lennon are both beyond musicians. They're beyond famous. They were iconic. But Jackson, it was this weird, 
With Jackson, it was a little bit different in that it was this strange sort of amorphous personality he had that you could never quite get your hands around him. You know what I mean? You could never quite fix on who he was. Well, because because he was a shocking figure from the start. Shocking that a nine-year-old would have that much talent. Shocking that uh, all that, that continuous and drastic change in his appearance. Shocking uh, about his weird behavior, the hyperbaric chamber, whether that's true or not, and all that stuff. Shocking about the child molestation charges. Shocking about his financial problems. Shocking about this death. I mean, it's hard to wrap your brain around anybody that continues to make people go, this guy ain't real. Uh, so uh, there's so much to ask you. First of all, do you know? To, 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 can you speak to any uh, any degree? This Brian Oxman guy that was uh, yeah yeah. Um, uh, he's not so much an opportunist as Michael Levine. I don't know if you've heard of, heard from Michael Levine yesterday. He was I haven't seen that guy since 1993. Was was Michael Levine the Jackson Five manager? No, he was uh, he was. One of the representatives back in '93, when Jackson had that original, one of those original molestation right. charges against him, and he's coming out with all this crap yesterday. Uh, Oxman, you know, I, I question constantly his ability to be inside the Jackson family because he was supposed to get several Jackson members uh, in contact with them for me at Jackson's 50th birthday. Never came through, but he talks a good game. Because he was outside the hospital yesterday, talked to him yesterday outside the hospital, talking about how he hugged Randy, how he hugged Jermaine, yet he was outside, not inside. You know, so I, I you know, I, I wonder about these guys. So the question is, was he still the family's attorney, or did they, did he get fired a few years ago? That's it, what I guess. Roger Friedman and the Hollywood Reporter said he was fired in 2005. He was fired, but mm-hmm. he was still he wasn't their official representative, but he was still involved with the family in one way, shape, or form. Mainly like Latoya, you know, right. people like. I mean, it wasn't really you know Joe and Catherine and and uh, Janet and those and Jermaine and those Jackson members. It was the Latoyas and and the other it, weird ones of the family. It's, it's, I know it's very early to be talking about stuff like this, but what happens to those those kids of his? That's a great question. We were talking about it yesterday, because we don't even know, I think, who the mother is of the youngest one. There was a surrogate, an anonymous surrogate, yeah. right? Um, but, and who knows what kind of custody. Now, they can't be after Jackson's money. The guy's $400 million in debt. Right. You know. Um, but still, uh, who knows what Debbie Rowe's going to do if we could find her? Who knows what... Uh, I don't think Lisa Marie Presley's, or whatever her name is now, is too interested in the kids. But what about the family? Uh, who knows what, what struggle there's going to be there, because I can almost guarantee you he had no plan for this, you know. Um, but maybe he did. Maybe there's some sort of contingency in his, maybe some smart legal person in his circle said to him, you know, you need to prepare for just in case. I mean, you're 50 years old, dude. Just in case something happens, what are you going to do with these kids? So we'll have to find out what all that's, what happens with all of that. But uh, who knows? And then, uh, Tim, I know you had a question um, about the, the, the doctor or... Okay. Oh, the doctor that was there? Yeah, now we found out because you were asking, Rick Emerson was asking me early, what did they tow away? They towed away the BMW belonging to the doctor, and now the doctor is missing. The doctor who was at the house at the time. Yeah. So he's wait. So the doctor who was there when Jackson collapsed, they towed his car. Who allegedly gave him the last shot of whatever he took. And they can't find. So the doctor is is MIA they left at the, the car moment. behind. Well, robbery homicide got involved almost immediately oh, wow. yesterday. That's uh, when wild. I when one of the trips I made yesterday around the entire Los Angeles area was out to that out to that estate, 
And um, robbery, robbery, and I thought, well, what's robbery homicide doing out here? This is a heart attack. I mean, the police investigate every death, but never these guys. And they were trying to tell us that because of the the size of the crowd and because right. of you know the media that that's why they're involved. Well, that's silly. Just put a couple more cops out here. You don't need robbery homicide. But yeah, there were some. They wouldn't tell us anything, but um, they were there for a reason. They were there for a while. Wow. I, so they're looking for this doc who was yeah. missing in action and left his BMW behind, which they have since towed away. And uh, so it was there uh, during the trial, there was that thing where he didn't show up. And then when he finally did, it was in his pajamas and he was yeah. staggering like he was on something. Um, and uh, and so, uh, Tim, you said earlier that when they searched the house during the molestation trial, they found syringes and Demerol. And I don't know if that came out then or is that a recent? No, it came out. It, it, it's, it's well known he'd been addicted to Demerol and Xanax and, um, you know, a couple of other painkillers of, of all kinds. So, you know, and a lot of people are already talking about, uh, or at least comparing the Anna Nicole Smith thing right. to this. So, you know, I, I, I and, and even Jermaine Jackson yesterday, when he made that statement, when he made the official statement, I thought, okay, this is weird, because he said a parent heart attack, which is okay to say, but then he said we won't know until the toxicology reports come in. So, I mean, if it was simply a heart attack and there were no drugs involved, it, you could be really a little more definitive that there was a heart attack. But just, to me, it was kind of revealing how he said it. And I was talking about that yesterday almost immediately. He said, well, what does that mean? Well, and for a family member to use the phrase apparent heart attack, that sounds yeah. strangely legalistic coming yeah. from a family member. Yeah, it, it was, you know, and it took a long time. Uh, to get that news conference going. I mean, you know, at, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, we were told it was going to happen, and that didn't happen until after 6. And, yeah, there was a chaos out at the hospital, and they had to try to figure out who was legitimate media and who was just a blogger or something that was there. That's the, that's the hardest part about covering things now is that there's so much, there's so much delusion as to who's media and who's not. But they finally herded most of us into uh, the auditorium, and then they they came out with that announcement. And so, um, it, and we're not going to know for six to eight weeks. Toxicology is going to take a while. Hopefully, we'll get some preliminary. And you know what the preliminary will be? Uh, inconclusive. Right, and that'll be what we get today. Uh, so it's going to take a while to figure this out. And just a final question. is: here's a, uh, We're talking about him being $400 million in debt, and I was comparing him to the, the Presley estate where Priscilla really stepped in and turned that thing around financially after, after Elvis died. The, here, big silly question. Who's in charge of Michael Jackson's estate business affairs? Who, who's running the joint? Don't know. I, I want to say Joe. I, I, you know, one of the things I saw or noticed during the trial, um, what, five years ago now, whenever it was, uh, that... Michael Jackson and his dad were fairly close. Right. I mean, they, they, you know, it looks like, you know, Michael was always turning to him, at least going in and out of the courthouse, uh, with questions, and he would say something, nod or shake his head no, pat Michael on the shoulder. Michael would acknowledge that whatever it was he agreed with. So it looked to me like they were fairly close, and, and they were still in tune with each other. So maybe Joe still has some control. I don't know. But I, I, Michael Jackson didn't trust too many people. You know, um, with too much information. So it, it could be his dad, could be his mom, could be some attorney we don't see on a regular basis, don't even know about. All this stuff, though, we're going to find out wow. as as this continues to unfold. Just, just massive. All right, my friend. Then, then we have uh, another little detail here. Frank DeLeo, Michael Jackson's manager, was with uh, Jackson at the hospital, and he kissed the dead Jackson goodbye. 
There's and and there's just so many things about this that we've got that are going to be unfolding as as things progress. It's a a crazy day for everybody. So thank you for uh, for spending some time with us, Jim. I appreciate it, man. No problem. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thank you. All right, there you go, Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen, CNN Radio, Los Angeles. All right. All right, straight ahead, we have more news from Tim Riley, and we're going to speak with Peter Carlin uh, from the Oregonian, uh, who, of course, wrote for People Magazine for many years, music uh, uh, critic, and has lots to say about all of this. Coming up next hour, former Jackson guitarist Jennifer Batten. Stay there. We're live in Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Rock 101 KUFO. In mere moments, we'll talk to Oregonian features writer and biographer of Paul McCartney and Brian Wilson, Peter Ames Garland. Uh, coming up at 8.20, uh, we're going to talk to Portland's own Jennifer Batten, uh, who, uh, in addition to playing with such luminaries, as I think she's actually in Jeff Beck's uh, touring band uh, right now as we speak. Uh, and, you know, Jeff, Jeff Beck, as they say, uh, no joke. Um, but she was the touring guitarist for Michael Jackson on the Bad, Dangerous, and History Tours. So we will talk to Jennifer Batten uh, coming up uh, next hour. Tim Riley? Oh, can I do a, a quick shameless self-promotion? Usually I wouldn't, but I'm going to be in public this afternoon. At, usually I stay home. Hold on, there's something humble, wrong with my I'm, headphones. I'm very I'm, humble, and I don't like to mention my own personal well, things. My hearing's going bad. I I thought I heard Tim Riley say he was going to be leaving the house. I really am. Okay. Uh, this afternoon, I'm going to be at Cricket Wireless, the Beaverton store, 3180 Southwest Cedar Hills Boulevard. Across from Best Buy, right next door to Pizza Schmitzel. We have fabulous things to give away. We're going to be outside, I guess, in a tent outside of Cricket at 3180 Southwest Cedar Hills Boulevard for one hour only. 3.30 to 4.30 with valuable prizes to give away. That's 3.30 to 4.30 this afternoon. Incidentally, uh, if ye touch the hem of his garment, ye shall be healed of ye infirmities. So uh, just, uh, you know, there you go. There you got that working for you. It's 503-228-4101. Uh, um, I, I would ask what headlines we're following today, but it's just at, at some point we, we will set aside a, a little while to talk about Farrah Fawcett. And, and I have all this like weird like retrospective um, guilt about not talking about Farrah Fawcett at all because immediately it just got overshadowed by the Jackson thing. Well, I just learned that her last name is not spelled like a water faucet yesterday. Well, Tim, knowing is half the battle. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show uh, from the Oregonian, uh, our good friend Peter Carlin. Hello to you, sir. Hey, Rick. How are you? I am fantastic. Um, So... uh, As Jim from CNN uh, Radio said earlier, he just said, uh, wow. So... I don't know, man. I mean, I mean, you're, you know, you've you've profiled, uh, you know, a lot of folks. You know, not not just, uh, you know, at People Magazine, but also the Brian Wilson for uh, for Catch a Wave, and then for your upcoming uh, Paul McCartney book, which comes out this fall. So, I don't know. Like, as a guy who sort of talked to a lot of folks of that stature up close and and seen what they do to the industry and what the industry does to them and what and and their relationship to art and fame and all of that. I mean, what do you, what what are your first kind of thoughts about about all of this? how unsurprising it is. Um, and I know, I, I, I mean, and I think that um, a, a lot of people felt that way yesterday afternoon because, I mean, uh, Michael had clearly, I mean, and, and that was the thing that was, that was so kind of maddening is that you could sense this end approaching, you know, 25 years ago when he began wearing military uniforms and showing up everywhere with a chimp. You know, I mean, it was like, that, it's just not, this is somebody who had kind of, Clearly, um, you know, at 27, 28 years old, lost his 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 grasp on reality, and um, 
and you know, and on and on it went. I mean, down through you know, all the facial reconstruction and. Uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, in, in his sort of bizarrely kind of quasi-fascist videos where he's sort of <laughs> that one with the statue of him that's like 100 feet. Dude, I was just looking at that because that's on the front of the, his, the, the two-disc compilation called History or His Story. Mm-hmm. And the, that's the one you're thinking about where there's the weird red sky behind him. And then it's this massive, like, weird, it's like something from Lord of the Rings. It's this huge yeah. granite statue of him wearing, like, one of those, what are those things? Bando, bandolera? Bando, you know, the, the, the bullet things? Yeah. I mean, it is, it's very, I, I mean, just to say that it's crazy is almost to do, a, to do a disservice to the word crazy. I mean, it's just astoundingly bizarre. And just, and that song, uh, Smooth Criminal, which I keep hearing in, uh, at the gym, you know, in my, in my little cycle class, which I think is like one of the most grotesque songs ever. It's like viewed, you know, it's like this, this, this murder of a woman, it seems to me, having heard it many times, um, uh, in the grip of endorphins, um, uh, who's like being stalked by a serial killer and that whole repeated chorus of, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay? And it's like, no, she's not. She's been killed by this guy. And it's like, that's really, I, I, there's something very sort of detached from humanity and reality that, that, uh, that, that goes through the guy's work. I mean, ever really since, since Thriller. The last time he seemed kind of recognizably human in the sense of somebody who was actually immortal was, you know, goes back 30 years to Off the Wall, where he looked like a happy, young man, you know, talented right. man. And from there, I mean, even by the time, I remember looking at that cover of Thriller when it first came out, um, before it had become such a huge hit, and just thinking like, he just seems like unreal here. You know, he was so airbrushed on that cover, wearing that all-white suit. And by then, his face had already begun to change a little bit. He had those little doe-like eyes. You know, he looked a little like a Cupid doll. Um, and after that, it just became this horror show with the whitening and the, the this artificial dimple and the artificial, you know, the several iterations of his artificial nose, which, uh, you know, uh, very quickly, I think, would, had been botched. And so he had a hard time breathing. Um, I mean, this is a guy who was radiating his self-loathing in, you know, every possible conceivable way and was surrounded by courtiers who were just like, yeah, you go, man, keep doing it. You know, and and then, you know, hanging out with the children and everything. And in a sense, you know, you think like, is this one grotesque man? No, this is a guy who had from the earliest age imaginable, almost from the time he could walk, had been shoved on stage and capitalized upon for his obviously otherworldly talent. And he was hugely talented. I mean, the guy was, you know, off the charts in terms, you know, his ability as a, as a performer and a dancer and a singer. And then that was good enough. And then you get to the point where he can write great songs and he had a real good ear for production and all that stuff. But, you know, people just sap the life out of him. Right. And, you know, and, and that's what fame does. It's a, that, that spotlight is a very caustic thing. I mean, you could see it blanch, literally blanching his, his skin. Um, you know, I mean, this is a guy who really didn't get a normal childhood, who didn't get anything like the traditional um, uh, care and feeding and and maturing time that everybody else gets. You know, and then he's from there, he gets without any kind of real emotional, psychological foundation, he gets launched into this world of no limits. And then, you know, so it's like, do you wonder, you know, where he's also under the most intense scrutiny imaginable? Well, we were, uh, we, you know, the, obviously everybody went right to the, you know, the Elvis comparison. And there's, you know, there's, you could, and there's sort of components of Michael Jackson's 
life and his career and his downfall and his neuroses that you can find, you know, you can find analogs there in, in John Lennon or Brian Wilson or any number of people. But I, it, but he is just such a strange, amorphous figure that I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people, even those who aren't, you know, people who aren't sad, they're just sort of stunned mm-hmm. because you never really knew who he was while he was alive. And so now you don't really know how to respond now that he's dead. You know, but, but I mean, like Lenin said, um, and I think this was even antis- – or maybe it was right after uh, Elvis died. He said the king is always killed by his courtiers. Right. And a lot of the last five years of his life was about trying to escape, you know, that, 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 that adulation. I mean, the five years he spent, you know, mostly living at home, I guess, and taking care of his, his kid. And, and, of course, you know, the, trage- the great tragedy for Lenin was the moment he reemerged to, to make music again. You know, he got killed. Um, you know, by one of his fans, supposedly. You know, that crazy guy. Right. Um, and so it's it, it's you begin to get the sense. I mean, it's so easy to to you know to, to envy people who are super famous like that, and to think like that would be the coolest thing ever to have everybody caring so much about every move you make. But you know, you make a lot of moves that you don't want to have. <laughs> it's you don't get to dictate the terms of fame. Nobody does. And to the and maybe Michael did to the extent that uh, anyone can, except for the fact that it drove him. You know that by then he'd already been driven mad, essentially. It is. It's just. It, it, it's so huge that I. It's just going to take. I think. I don't know that it, that we'll ever be able to, to fully make sense of it. But I think right now it's like you're just so close to the painting that you you, you just can't even see it. Um, there, there's one thing that I saw actually um, that touched me the most in the last. Um, uh, the last day was was I, I found I had this very dim memory of the other performance he made at that Motown 25 special in 1983, the one that wasn't Billy Jean, and it was him appearing with the his brothers with the Jackson Five, and they do a medley of their old hits, and those those are all fabulous songs, and there's a moment they're singing "I'll Be There," which is the climactic tune, and um, at one point in that song, there's a point where I think it's. Um, Jermaine Jackson has a solo. Maybe it's not Jermaine. It's one of the older brothers. Um, And you never knew exactly which ones they were. That's why Tito always wore a hat that said Tito, very helpfully. Um, But... uh, and at one point, the brother starts to sing, and Michael comes up, and they've clearly rehearsed for Michael to put, you know, to hold his microphone up for him to sing his first line, and then he's supposed to back away and sing the rest on his own. But he starts to back away, and Michael has his arm around him, and he won't let go, and he holds up the microphone, and, and then uh, Jermaine, or whoever it is, looks into his eyes and puts his arms around Michael, and they just sit, and they're moving together and Michael's beaming at this guy while he's at his brother while he's singing and you and I thought to myself first of all it's an incredibly touching vision of brothers who have shared more than you can imagine and second of all it is the only time I could remember Michael really seeming to interact with another human in the course of all the years you know, from the 80s yeah. on, I, he left the Jacksons. It's just, uh, yeah, and it's just the layers of that guy are just are. are but I, uh, unfortunately, we got I got to run. This is so much stuff to get through today. But uh, thank you for uh, for spending some time with us, uh, my friend, Peter Carlin. Read him in print in the Oregonian or online at OregonLive.com. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Oh, there you go, Peter Carlin, ladies and gentlemen. All right, coming up in the next hour, we have more news from Tim Riley as well as Jennifer Batten, who is uh, Michael Jackson's guitarist through the Bad, Dangerous, and History tours. We are live from Portland, Oregon, and it is. Friday morning. Stay right there. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Our phone lines are open. <laughs> Call her.
Martin gets my seed. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Coming up at 820 today, we'll talk to uh, Portland's own Jennifer Batten, who is the uh, guitarist for Michael Jackson on the Bad, Dangerous, and History uh, World Tour. She also performed with him at the uh, Super Bowl uh, 27, I think. Like a billion and a half people. It's just uh, I mean, it's astounding. So we'll uh, talk to her at 820, get uh, Jennifer Batten's thoughts on Michael Jackson's music and, and legacy, and find out what it was like to, to tour and perform with him. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 8.06. Expect a beautiful sunny weekend. High temperatures in the 70s. The latest uh, quickly on the Michael Jackson story, cops are fanning out looking for the doctor who was allegedly at the home giving Michael Jackson that final injection of whatever it was that led to him dying. The doctor's car was towed away. It was a BMW at Michael Jackson's rented home last night. Towed away. The doctor is nowhere to be found. Police are looking for him right now to question him further. Now, the Michael Jackson story, yesterday was quite a day. First of all, by the time we get off the air, around 928, Farrah Fawcett had passed away, and Ryan O'Neill, who never got her to marry him, uh, made the announcement to reporters. Hey, Ryan, how's Farrah? Is she okay? How's she doing? Farrah's gone. Oh, my God. She's gone, Ryan? Uh, I... It just, I know that we made this observation earlier, but it's just like an endless number of shoes that keep dropping. Yep. I mean, and it started with the David Carradine thing, and then Ed McMahon, which took us all by surprise. Farrah Fawcett, I mean... Everyone knew that that was that was I mean that that in a way is like the long protracted uh, goodbye because she yeah. had it for two three years I think and then of course and I understand why this happens because people want to be very positive and you always want to put the best face on things but there was that that sort of awful thing where she had made some public appearance where she says she felt like she had turned the corner on it or she the you know she felt like she was really she was on the comeback with it and you know and, and that's just so often it's the case with cancer that's just not it's just have not we true. heard it from patrick swayze lately why do you got to say that you, we usually don't hear why, from him why anyway why would you even say that God probably and, forgot about him, and now you've woken a vengeful no, deity who will about, take him from Let's him. not forget about Walter Cronkite also. Oh, see, you, you, you guys are bastards. I can't say anything like that. I'm sure that everyone, everyone, uh, everyone that everyone knows or cares about is in perfect health today. I'm not going to put any out there in the uh, out there in the atmosphere because that's going to that's going to catch the uh, that's going to catch the ear of the wrong, all powerful being who, who will decide to punish us further on an already trying week. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the news desk. So uh, let's bring uh, Barbara Walters into the picture from this 1997 interview. Jackson talked about his passion for fatherhood. You like being a father? I love it. Are you very involved with him? Yes. <laughs> when he's crying, to keep him from crying, you have to do one thing. I have to stand in front of him and dance. And he stops crying. His tears turn to laughter. And he starts happy. He smiles. Here's a question where we asked Jim Roop from CNN where, you know, what was going to happen to the kids and nobody really seems to know. But I don't even remember the last time those kids were seen publicly. I mean, oh, like, no, they're um, on like updates, like websites I go to, like they're out in public with like butterfly masks on and like um, things wrapped around. Their so faces. they have been seen fairly recently. They I mean, seen, but their faces haven't been seen because they're always wearing disguises. Yeah, cause it, I mean, I suppose it's fine that they haven't been, you know, if it's not like they have to be in public display, but it just it does. It does seem like that's. 
this whole separate side issue that's got to be resolved because I think with the third kid, Prince Two or whatever his name was, but the last kid to be born, uh, 2002, I think, like nobody knows who the mom is because Debbie Rowe had the first two kids. Uh, she was the nurse and she was married to him at one point, wasn't she? Didn't they? Were they, were they married? Um, and so she had the two kids and then they had, then they got divorced. And then the third kid was with a surrogate mother whose identity is still uh, not known. And you know, here's another thing I keep forgetting about. This is a thing that will fall out of my brain unless I am constantly reminded of it. And that is that uh, he was married, uh, uh, to Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, they said it wouldn't last. <laughs> well, they, they were fools, Tim. And you know, and they show that, uh, that video from the, the MTV where the two of them are making out. Which is That's a thing so I wrong. I never need to see that again. It's so off putting. Just in every even at the time I found it, it just it, just incredibly uh, weird to watch. And just with the, the years have not been kind to that image. Every time I see it, it's just it's just weirder and weirder. Here's Tim Riley. Speaking of memorable images from 1993, Michael Jackson. Remember, he had the uh, satellite trucks come up to him, Neverland Ranch so he could make this uh, public comment. They served a search warrant on me, which allowed them to view and photograph my body, including my penis. My buttocks, my lower torso, thighs, and any other error that they wanted. I forgot about that. That's that I video. I that, too. And in that video, that's the one where he looks like a, like a space alien because it's yeah. all... He looks... He looks as though he has been airbrushed in real life. Although I guess actually we've we've subsequently we've had discussions about this about uh, TV broadcasts and HD and you know how everything is in ultra high definition at this point that there is now airbrushing makeup you can use where they would just and did you tell it's us about spray. that? Time? Yeah, where they just kind of go and so it's not like it's out of the question that he would have been using that because at the time when that came out. I remember everybody was going, like, where are his pores? He has he appears to have no texture at all on his face, like even less than he normally did. God, it's just the number of the number of things, and this is what makes this is the difference between him and like Anna Nicole Smith or any you know you know or even like Kurt Cobain, which is obviously a huge seismic uh, shock, is that there's so many hundreds and hundreds of incidents and occurrences with that guy over the years. I mean that you just you can't even. I mean you would need a scorecard to keep track of them. Sounds just uh, unbelievable. All right. Straight ahead, we're going to talk to Jennifer Batten, uh, who is the uh, guitarist with Michael Jackson on the Bad, Dangerous, and History Tours. And we'll get her thoughts on uh, on his music and legacy and what it was like to work with him uh, as a performer. Plus more from Tim Riley. You are listening to The Rick Emerson Show. It is Friday morning. We are live from downtown Portland, Oregon. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Well, it must be time for my nitroglycerin. My bunions hurt. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's funny because it's it's not that true. It is the Rick Emerson Show. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Rock 101 KUFO. We're going to welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Jennifer Batten. And Jennifer uh, Batten is a... uh, someone you have uh, heard in uh, myriad places and on myriad recordings and was Michael Jackson's guitarist on the Bad, Dangerous, and History uh, tours, in addition to performing with such folks as Jeff Beck. Good morning, Jennifer. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, I have a question that you've probably been asked a billion times by now, which is that were you were you su- surprised when you heard about this? What were your initial reactions when you when you heard about, about Michael Jackson? Oh, my first reaction when a, a friend called is I, I thought there was a real good chance it was a rumor because, you know, he's, he was getting up in the press again because of the London dates coming up, and I've been pelted with rumors the last 20 years, so it wasn't until I heard two or three people say it that I thought, wow, maybe it's real. When you were uh, touring and performing with Michael Jackson, was 
was there any of this chaos uh, evidence or this personal, and I don't say even unhappiness, but just this sense that things were a little off kilter a lot? Did any of that seem evident or visible? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, uh, you know, I... I certainly wasn't with them 24 hours a day. I was one of 100 people that were in the entourage that um, went from city to city. And the most time I spent with him was at rehearsals. And he was always very calm, very focused, and energized. Uh, from uh, the standpoint of a, of a musician, what is, what's the most important thing about Michael Jackson or, and his songs? When you, when you look at it with the musician's uh, you know, eyes and you hear it, what, what is most impressive to you? innovator uh I, gosh i mean he would always uh, come up with new things i mean wh- whether it was the the music or the theater aspect or the dancer the dancing aspect it was just miles above anything that existed at the time and and it's got incredible staying power i mean the, i listen to the songs from off the wall this many years later and they're still really great we're talking to uh, Jennifer Batten. She's a guitarist. She performed a tour with Michael Jackson for the uh, Bad, Dangerous, and History tours. What was the most challenging uh, song for you to for you to learn? Um, thriller, because there was a lot of chord changes, and as, as soon as we got that down, he wanted to change the key. <laughs> so everybody was scrambling at the last minute to to change the key. I think we did that several times until it was a uh, became a comfortable key for him live. You know, a lot of times with pop music, people think that they have a tendency to believe that it's entirely prefabricated and that the singer, that the person whose name is on the product, has very little involvement with it. You, it doesn't sound like that was the case. It sounds like he was a guy who was very down there in the trenches, hands-on, working with the songs. He was. I've never seen a harder worker in my life, man. It, it, especially the first tour, it was like joining the Army. We were two months straight rehearsing and no days off and uh he could just go non-stop like the energizer buddy was were the crowds and the people who were there at the shows to see you know uh, michael jackson at that time were the crowds as unhinged and insane as they always sort of portrayed on television you know it's it's kind of funny because the very first crowd that we played for was in japan and i had never played for a crowd anywhere near that big before and um, some of the guys that had, that had done big tours before were complaining that they're so quiet and reserved. And I thought it was normal, you know. <laughs> then we went to Australia, and those guys were unhinged. That that is very real. The the stuff that you see in the videos, uh, they would just be screaming and jumping the whole day long. I got to ask you, you know, having uh, performed, uh, you know, the Super Bowl, you got a billion and a half people or whatever, you know, watching you. It, 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 what does that feel like, to whatever extent you can externalize it and put it into words? What, what does it feel like to step out on that stage and you get like, you know, half the people on the planet, uh, you know, who are watching you? That that gig was, I think, number one in my memory banks, just because it was so huge and so different from all the rest of the shows that we did. I mean, we, we had the the time of a Lay's potato chip commercial to get that stage out there, put together, and jump on it and go. You know, there's there's no turning back once the cameras were on. It was it was just a a fantastic feeling. I really enjoyed it. We're talking to Jennifer Batten, she was the uh, guitarist for the Bad, Dangerous, and History tours uh, with Michael Jackson. What what did what if anything did you learn from him as as a performer or as an entertainer musician? Did what did, what did he do that you looked at and you said that's that's a guy who knows how to do that really well, and I'm going to take that lesson home with me. Um, there's a couple things. Um, his connection with the audience, 
I think before that, I was I was more into for myself, just playing the music and being there with the guitar and not really being aware <laughs> too much of an audience being out there. But seeing how he could draw fifty, sixty, eighty thousand people a night with, you know, not just the music, but making a complete adventure of it uh, with all the special effects. Uh, you know, laser, pyro, theater, dancers, everything was was just amazing. Not that I could do all that myself, but it was it it did rub off on me in a, a kind of a consciousness of what the audience wants to see. Uh, we're talking about Jennifer Batten. Uh, your latest album is called Whatever, and I know that people can find out more about that at uh, jenniferbatten.com, which is Jennifer Batten, B-A-T-T-E-N. Uh, dot com and we'll have a link to that at, at Rick Emerson uh, dot com. Um, what is the uh, what does the future hold for you? I know that you are. I mean, you're very in demand. You've performed with just a whole bunch of people, and, and really, and I keep going back to the Jeff Beck thing because I'm a big guitar nerd, um, and you know, so that you know, that's just. I mean, that's about as good as it gets. Um, where 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 are you where are you headed after this? I mean, it seems like you could have your yeah you have your pick of gigs right now. What are you what are you going to be doing? I've been doing my own multimedia show, and I'll probably have something in Portland along about September, um, playing my stuff with film, in sync with film. I just finished a two-month tour of America, and we'll go back out in the fall. Um, but I couldn't even do the London shows because I had already booked dates for myself around America. And Jennifer Batten, the website is jenniferbatten.com. Uh, the latest album is called Whatever. All right, Jennifer, thank you so much. I know it, it, it must be very uh, hectic, uh, kind of crazy time for you right now. So thank you for setting aside a few minutes for us. I really appreciate it. Sure, thanks. All right, thank you, Jennifer. There you go. That is Jennifer Batten, ladies and gentlemen, uh, who uh, toured with Michael Jackson as the guitarist on the Bad, Dangerous, and History so cool. Tours. How weird is that? I know, it's surreal. All right. The autopsy uh, is now underway, by the way. Yeah, TMZ is reporting the autopsy has, has begun. So, And they're saying, actually, that there uh, could be some preliminary results today. All right, straight ahead, we have more news uh, with uh, Tim Riley. Straight ahead, more news with Tim Riley. Right now, at this uh, juncture, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are going to take this opportunity to inject a small slice of uh, something more pleasant into this. If you are caller 10 right now, 503-228-4101, you're going to get a chance to go see the Portland Timbers live and in person Thursday, July 2nd. Plus, you'll be entered into the grand prize of sitting on the bench with the team before the game. Uh, that is the Portland Timbers, uh, July, Thursday, July 2nd. If you're caller number 10 right now, you win a pair of those tickets at 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Straight ahead, more news with Tim Riley at the news desk. We are live in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is Friday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in standard definition. If you don't have a place where you can hold these people, you only have other options to kill them. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Rock 101 KUFO, ladies and gentlemen. Let's pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 843. It's going to be a beautiful sunny weekend. Highs in the 70s could hit 80. The Michael Jackson autopsy is now underway. Toxicology results won't be available for weeks, but they'll have something to say about the autopsy itself later on this afternoon. Uh, Walter Cronkite's family has uh, just released the following statement. Walter Cronkite is still alive, but not expected to last much longer. That's his statement? 
Maybe if we just stay here in the studio, he'll stay alive. It always seems to happen that as we end the show, that's when God kills people. I'm going to be halfway home uh, one of these days. I feel like one of us should always have to be here. It's <laughs> sort of like propping the door open, mm-hmm. you know, because as you get locked out. Once we're all out of here and the show is done, that's when the smiting begins. Oh, we must ask uh, Paula Abdul how she feels about all this stuff. Well, what's funny about the upcoming tour is that I was talking to a... That's the wrong one. There's again. nothing funny about the upcoming tour, no. I think, at this point. I think we can all... Well, so much for that idea. <laughs> uh... Uh, so anyway, the cops are looking for the doctor who they say was at Michael Jackson's house who may, more likely than unlikely, given him that fatal final shot because they towed away his BMW last night. Right, because he was on the, he's on the lamb, right? Because yeah. he, and he left... His B, I mean, look, even if you're wealthy, why would you leave your BMW behind and just and just get out of there? I mean, maybe not on foot, but I mean, but he just, he was there when Jackson collapsed. Mm. Then he vanished and his BMW is still there, which they've now towed away for evidence. So and you were going to find him alive or dead? I see. I don't know. And the, 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 Roop, I'm glad that we had Jim Roop from CNN. If he has CNN. a passport, if he has a passport, he could have flown away. Roop said this great thing, though, because all last night on all of the news, it wasn't just CNN everywhere. People kept saying, like. Well, why are you towing the car away, and why is robbery homicide here? And the the stock line they kept giving was, well, with any high-profile death, rom- robbery homicide investigates, uh, you know, because of the crowd and so forth. And Roop said, you know, no, that's not true. He said, that's just a lie. When they say that, that's just a line. And it clearly has something to do with, in my opinion, with this, with this doctor uh, being being gone. Um, I think I've got this Paula Abdul column. Let's see what Paula Abdul says about Michael Jackson. What did you learn from him? Anything? Oh, my gosh. You never let anyone see you sweat. And when you perform, you give everything that you have, every pore of your body, everything that spills out, and the commitment, and it's the rehearsal. The drive that that guy had was unparalleled. I've never seen, I've never seen anyone work that hard. Another helping of Jesus juice for Paula, please. I, I can beat that. <laughs> She's never been drunk, Rick. I, I, I can beat that. I have a Joe Pesci cut. Always fine with me. You know, he always sounded the same to me, Michael. He was always respectful and quiet. Same person that I worked with years ago. Joe Pesci? Why not? Well, I guess... I He's guess standing that, around. I guess that's true. No, actually, my friend Heather was talking about uh, how Joe Pesci and Michael Jackson were in a movie together called Moonwalker. And uh, Joe Pesci was the evil... Oh, God, I forgot all about that. the evil Mr. That. Big trying to get all the kids in the world hooked on drugs, and Michael Jackson had to save the day. Wow, I forgot all about that. Well, because there's that video game, Moonwalker, uh, which I think we played that when we were playing that terrible MIDI version of Billie Jean. We're talking... But there was the video, or the movie Moonwalker, I think was like a directed VHS, or I don't think a DVD existed at that point. I know it didn't, but I think it was a directed VHS deal. I forgot all about that. All right, here's Tim Riley. Now we have former Jackson publicist Susan Blonde, who says Jackson changed when Thriller came out. By Thriller, he had actually already gone overboard. At that point, he was already, it just didn't, he looked completely different by Thriller. Uh, Dita Weisner was Jackson's former manager. He said uh, when he recently spoke to him, all seemed fine. Three weeks ago, we had a short phone conversation, and he was in a very good health, in a very good health, and uh, there was no question at all that he was sick or has something with his heart. Well, this goes back to a point that you made earlier, Tim, that uh, Jim Roop was echoing, that there are so many people who have gone into and out of the orbit of the Jacksons. Mm -hmm. I mean, not just Michael, but that whole family. 
I mean, this is 500 people at this point who could claim to be a spokesperson. They claim to be a lawyer, a former lawyer, representative uh, for the family. It's impossible to tell. It's impossible to tell who really is allowed to speak for the family and who isn't and who's in a position of knowledge and who is just sort of bluffing their way through it. And Roop hit exactly the same point you did, which is that. Like, what's his name? The guy whose name I've, I've forgotten already, who was Brian Oxley, is that his name? Oxen? Oxman? Oxenard, yeah. whatever. It, who The guy was saying he was the family spokesperson, and he was, you know, there's going to be medical. What did he say? I believe there's going to be some sort of medical issue, and there's going to be the family is liable because of the drugs and whatever. And he claimed to have had knowledge of, uh, of Michael Jackson and the internal workings of that place up to 2009, even though he got blown out like 2005 or something. So... Then we have the uh, concert people. AEG Live organized 50 Jackson concerts at the O2 Arena in London. The show was sold out. 750,000 tickets sold, ranging from 50 bucks to 120. Their only statement uh, about the fate of those tickets is that an announcement will be made in due course. The companies are reported to have already invested up to $30 million for the shows. That's not including all the money they gave Jackson in advance. Wow. Wow. And I do have this, by the way, speaking of, uh, we were talking uh, about this during the break, about the, you know, how there are, you know, moments like this and days like this and weeks like this that you remember, and they usually have something to do with celebrities. Like, you know, you go to the stuff like Britney Spears shaving her head or Anna Nicole Smith. Mm-hmm. Um and the Anna Nicole Smith thing, which seemed so big at the time, and the Heath Ledger thing was pretty big. Too. And the he—I remember, boy, I remember that moment. Yeah, that I remember was bad. I remember exactly where we were sitting, and exactly, I remember exactly what the room looked like uh, when Tim. And I remember the expression on your face too, Sarah, when when Tim said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he said, actor Heath Ledger has been found dead in his New York apartment. That's exactly what Tim said. It was, oh, it still gives me chills. And I can remember everything about that moment. Um, but speaking of Anna Nicole Smith, so I've been dissecting this Larry King cut, and I think. I think that's who he's referring to here, and he's confusing her with Farrah Fawcett. So I think, so here's what you're going to hear is Larry King last night, and he is, they're doing, as we did, a sort of obligatory thing, uh, you know, uh, covering some of the other news. And as part of that, he does this brief um, uh, reflection about Farrah Fawcett. And I think his whole show was supposed to have been about Farrah Fawcett last night, but obviously it gets, you know, overshadowed by the Jackson thing. So he does this brief mention, but this comes on the heels of the revelation about all this uh, alleged drug use that was going on at the Jackson house. And here's Larry King. The investigation, as was just pointed out by Ted, I think uh, Anderson and Campbell, that's going to go on for a long while. And the stories, if you think uh, the stories about uh, uh, the other lady that died were big stories, if you think the stories about Anna Marie were big this is going to make it disappear. <laughs> Anna Marie? The, uh, no, no, no. That's uh, that's Ms. Other Lady to you, Sarah. Oh. The, the other uh, lady. The other story, the other lady that uh, that died. Uh, that, that tomato. Uh, who's it? Uh, <laughs> you know the uh, the one with the uh, the one with the with the big lock keys. You know. All right. So uh, there you go, Larry King, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, so we will have undoubtedly more uh, about this on Monday. Yes. Um, Court and Fat Boy will be talking about this this afternoon. Well, I'm at Cricket. 3180 7. Southwest Cedar Hills Boulevard, 330 to 430. Right across from Best Buy next to Pizza Speech of Beaverton. What's that information one more time, Jim? I'll be there from 330 to 430 at Cricket, 3180 Southwest Cedar Hills Boulevard in the Beave this afternoon. And don't I, miss it. And I should clarify my earlier remarks. Uh, please don't touch Tim's garment, the, the, the hem or any part of it. No. Tim. Please don't look at Mr. Riley. Mm. Look at the ground. Yes. 
Uh, we want to take this opportunity to remind you that coming up in just a few moments at KUFO.com, you're going to be able to buy half-off certificates, part of KUFO's half-off sale. That begins today, 9 a.m. It's about 10 minutes from now at KUFO.com. And now among those items are certificates of Pearl District Tattoo, which is Pearl, uh, the Pearl District's first and only custom skin gallery. It is your finest tattoo experience, and they can start a new beginning on you. They're located at Northwest 9th and Northrop. Uh, 9th and Northrop right there in Northwest. You can call them for more details at 503-241-4713. And as part of that, if you are caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101, we'll close it out by giving you a $25 uh, gift certificate, which in fact gets you 50 which is exactly how it works at KUFO.com. That's for the half-off uh, deal at KUFO.com for Pearl District Tattoo. Be caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101. We want to thank Nina Parker from TMZ, Jim Roop from CNN, Peter Carlin from The Oregonian, and musician Jennifer Batten. You can find out more about her at JenniferBatten.com. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Rock 101. KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phone, production assistant Greg Nibbler at the uh, front desk of the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, webmistress Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio, Portland marketing guru Susan Donaff with me, Reynolds, executive producer Christopher J. Paddock. My name is Rick Emerson. It is Friday, June 26, 2009, and that is The Frequency. Kenneth, be safe. Have a good weekend. Watch out for snakes. Bye now. The crowd that is forming outside uh, the UCLA Medical Center. We are hearing from multiple sources now. We can confirm to you that Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, the king of pop, has died in Los Angeles at the age of 50. Gonna make a change. Michael did with music what they let it did in sports and in politics and in television. The child singer turned pop sensation. The artist behind the best-selling album of all time died today at the age of 50 at a hospital in Los Angeles. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. At times during his career, Michael Jackson was one of the biggest pop stars in the world. Starting with his brothers in the Jackson 5 in the 1960s. My brother, the legendary king of pop, Michael Jackson, passed away on Thursday, June 25th, 2009 at 2.26 p.m. May Allah be with you, Michael, always. Love you. In his prime, Michael Jackson was a dazzling singer and a breakthrough dancer. He was, as his nickname implied, the king of pop. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.